Thanks for coming, guys, and God bless you for, for being here. Um, thank you for making the attempt to continue the fellowship. Thank you for uh, making the effort to not forsake the assembly and be seated and, and listening to God's word and the comfort of your own home. Um, I feel like I want to hug the screen. Uh, I wish I could hug you all and see you all, but, you know, in season and in time, I wish, I wish um, this won't go for long. I pray that we gather together. Welcome to those who are here for the first time. God bless you guys. I pray that God may speak to your hearts this morning. Um, I pray that um, you would you would listen intently um, and, and seriously. There's nothing greater than to be seated around God's word, the, the words of eternal life, words that came down from heaven in the form of a man named Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And he lived a life in such a way that he pointed us and directed us that there's a heaven there's a life beyond our physical. And uh, unfortunately, the world did not receive him. The Bible says the darkness could not comprehend it. And then they crucified him on the cross. But little did the world know um, that the devil himself, that he would rise again from the dead and he'll draw even a greater people to him. So we thank God for, the, for, for his saving power, his saving grace. Nothing in this world that we go through can hinder or stop the will of God. Nothing can break the safety that he provides for all those who put their trust in him. So we thank God for the opportunities that we are not forsaken and we are not left behind. Even the opportunity to gather around Zoom is a beautiful thing. Um, you can come before God and you can ask of him, Lord God, if you're real, make yourself known to me and he will make himself known to you. Our God is an intimate God. He's a God who desires a relationship with people. Believe it or not, I don't know why, but God decides that he wants to have some relationship with his creation and he, to the point where he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die. So let's bow our heads in prayer, believing that there is a God. In spite of all the chaos, there is a God. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for your presence. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit as we gather together, Lord God, that you would speak and that you would move, that you would comfort, you would strengthen. I pray, Lord God, that you would cast out every distraction, Lord God, anything that hinders us from hearing from you, Lord God. I pray for those who are here for the first time, who are here listening to your word. I pray that you would knock at the door of their heart, that they would see you as you are, the, the true and living God. I pray, Father, that you would guide us this morning with your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you want to turn with me, I want to just look at a passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Um, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I want to look at this verse um, <clears throat> with you this morning. And I'll give you time to turn to it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. These are the words of God Almighty. Very, very simple words of instruction and encouragement. If my people who were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. There is a God in heaven who hears. Anyone who humbles themselves, 
who prays and seeks him, God will forgive their sin and he will heal their land. He will heal their land, meaning he will heal all those things around them, the things that pertain to their life, the brokenness, the the shattered things. He will heal their land. He will restore their soul. This is what God does to anyone and everyone who humbles themselves. It's a very rare thing to do in today's world, to be humble. Everything is against humility. You're called to be something, be someone, and everything is against this humility. And yet, humility is the essence or the stepping stone to great salvation. God is calling everyone to humble yourself. We become very dependent on this world day in, day out. We establish a pattern of behavior that causes us to cling and to hold fast to the things that our physical body needs, our senses, the things we touch, the things we hear, the things we see. We become so dependent on it that everything that we build becomes some kind of recognition of who we are. We want everyone to see how good we are. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be um, recognized. It's the opposite when it comes to God. God says this, turn your face toward me. Be humble. Be humble. Humility is a dependence of something greater than yourself. Humility is a dependence on something far greater and stronger in the living God. I I heard a letter that was spoken by by a minister. And I want to read this letter to you. It's regarding the coronavirus in northern Italy. But it shows you... It shows you man's weakness and the strength of God. I want to read this to you, and I want you to pay attention because it's quite a little bit of a lengthy letter, but stay tuned and listen carefully. This is from a doctor in northern Italy. Never the darkest nightmares have I imagined what I can see and have experienced what has been going on here in our hospital for three weeks. The nightmare flows The river grows bigger and bigger. At first, some came, then dozens, then hundreds, and now we are no longer doctors. But we have become classifiers in the treadmill, and we decide who should live or who should be sent home to die, even if all these people had paid their taxes for life. Only two weeks ago, my colleagues and I were atheists, It's normal because we are doctors and we learned that science excludes the presence of God. I always laughed at my parents going to church. Nine days ago, a 75-year-old pastor came to us. He was a kind man. He had severe respiratory problems, but he had the Bible with him and we were impressed that he read it to the dying and even held them by the hand. We were all tired discouraged and emotionally spent and even more emotionally spent when we had time to listen to our feelings. Now we have to admit, we humans have reached our limits. We cannot face making more and more people die every day. We're exhausted. We have two colleagues who have died and others who have been infected. We realize in the midst of what we are doing as humans, we need God. And we began to ask for his help whenever we had a few minutes. We talked to each other and we cannot believe the fierce atheists that we were 
we are now every day in search of peace, asking the Lord to help us resist and so we can care for the sick. Yesterday, the 75-year-old pastor died. Today, despite having more than 120 deaths in three weeks, he and we were all exhausted, destroyed. He had managed, despite his condition and our afflictions, to bring us peace that we never expected to find. The shepherd went to be with the Lord, and soon we will also. To follow him if it continues like this. I have not been home for six days. I do not know when I last ate, and I realize my uselessness on this earth, and I want to take my last breath to help others. I am happy to have returned to God, while surrounded by the suffering and death of my fellow men. This is extraordinary, an extraordinary letter. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's, I can't even begin to conceive what that situation or that, that, the, the events that have taken place would have been through their eyes. I, I think to myself, in the end, no matter how tragic or how traumatic something is, no matter what character or nature this coronavirus has, how devastating it is, there is nothing more devastating or more heartbreaking than to go through such events without the presence of God. It doesn't matter what condition you're in. It doesn't matter what your situation is. There is nothing worse than to go through pain and suffering and not go through it with God. Because God is the one who is my strength and he is the one who is real. He's not an imaginary. He's not a fictitious character. He is real. And when you have his hand with you, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you will fear no evil because the presence of God goes with you. Nothing more devastating than to go through hardship without the living God, the maker, the creator, the master of your soul. Nothing more sad than to go it alone. But for centuries and for years and for thousands and thousands of years, God has been calling people to come to him. Always, always calling people to return, to return, come back, come back. Even we read in Joel, the book of Joel, chapter 2, a prophet in that time, he calls the people, now, therefore, now, therefore, says the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Come like you really mean it. Come like your life's dependent on it. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Turn to me with all your heart. Listen, he says, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, show that you really want me, show that you really care. Don't, don't just make it a lip service. Don't just make it something that you kind of say. It's not just a prayer you say in the morning, but there's no real depth to what you really mean. In fact, he says, so rend your heart and not your garments. Tear your heart open, not your garments. It's interesting because the word rend is to tear, split apart into pieces violently desperately in anguish and God is calling man man listen open your heart to me open tear it open don't just tear your garments as though it's some kind of a a religious duty or you're just pretending that you really need me 
God has always, from the very beginning of time, continued to call man, come, come, come. Not because you owe him something, not because you, you, you're great and he needs you, but because purely God, God is merciful and God is full of love. God loves you. God loves you. God does not intend to hurt or harm anyone. Man hurts and harms themselves when they turn from all that is good, all that is kind, and all that is loving, and they turn their face against God. They find themselves in a valley, in a wilderness. When chaos hits, chaos hits so that God can draw man back to him. When you're in your pain and you're suffering, God desires more than anything that your pain and your suffering causes your lips to cry out to heaven. Your pain and your suffering are like roses if they come face to face with God. You'll discover that there is beauty in the very thing that causes you to call upon the name of the Lord whom God desires to save. Even in the days of the prophet Isaiah, even Isaiah says the same thing. It's remarkable the word that they use, now, now. Come now and let us reason together. Let us, let us, let us consider this, God says. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Though your darkest and deepest secret, though your most rebellious state is the worst it could ever be, and black is black, I will make it white, I will make it clean. Come even now, he says. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. Even now, come. And God is calling people. So much so that in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 6, God puts it this way. He says, put me in remembrance. Let me be at the forefront of your mind. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. What is God asking here? It's fascinating. It's actually fascinating. What God is saying is this. He's saying, listen, I just want you to consider me. Consider me. Think about this. Think about me. Even state your argument. Even tell me what you don't believe. Tell me what what you don't like. At least we can have a conversation. And in our conversation, you might just discover that I'm true and I'm real. But very few people care. It's like when I'm teaching a a group of, of students. I love the most inquisitive mind. I love the one who's asking the questions. I don't get upset when questions are being asked. I don't get frustrated. I don't get angry that questions are coming left, right and centre. This is what a teacher desires. I love it because they're thinking, they're contemplating, they're wrestling it out. And I'd rather that than someone sitting down and not asking at all. Because I know in the questions, they're going to find an answer. And this is what God is saying. He's saying, question me, wrestle me. Don't just sit there and say, oh, there's no God. But if you maybe if you wrestled it out, maybe if you contemplated me, put me at the forefront of your mind, bring me into remembrance, then maybe you can be justified at least. Maybe maybe you can work out whether what you actually believe could be right or could be wrong. But what happen, what happens is this. Most people, when they want to talk about God, they've already made it up in their mind. They've already said there is no God. They've never wrestled it out. They've never sat down and thought about it. They've never really, really searched for it with all their life. 
always tell people the greatest thing that you can do in this world is to seek truth. Just seek truth. Be a seeker of truth. And if you're genuine and you're sincere in your heart, that all you want is truth. I believe God will reveal himself to you because he is truth. Seek and you shall find, he says. Knock and the door will be opened. But not many people care for truth. They care for their own selfish desires. They care for their own comforts. They care for their own security. And so sometimes the truth becomes something hard to hear because it kind of it challenges me. But truth is truth. And if you are a seeker of truth at all costs and you didn't care about comforts or security, but you just wanted to know the truth, God says, come, consider this, consider me, question, ask. And then maybe you will find yourself justified, that you'll come to the knowledge of truth. Never hold up a guard against truth, even if it hurts, even if it costs, because truth is truth. Don't become defensive. Work it out. Ask yourself, why don't I believe in God? What is it that hinders me from believing in God? Am I afraid? Am I scared? Is it, is it because when I believe in him, I'm accountable to my creator? I can't just walk away now. Is it because once I realize that there is the existence of God, that there's a responsibility, that I'm the creation, he's the creator, that my soul is, is in his hands and he knows what is best for me because he knows what I need, what I don't need? Consider me, he says. Consider me. And the greatest obstacle, the biggest obstacle to, towards truth, uh, what, what people find very hard to accept, even they find it very, very hard to accept God, is this one thing. And it starts with the, the, the letter P. And it's pride. Pride. Pride is the very thing that stops people from seeing God. That's why we read, if my people, if they humble themselves, humble themselves, just stop, stop. And listen to the voice of God that knocks on your heart. He says, I made you. I created you. I know you. I know everything about you. I know those secret things. I know those things that other people don't. If you just humble yourself, be still and know that I am God. You may just hear a voice that says to you, turn, turn from your ways. The way you're going may seem right to you, but in the end, it leads to death. Can't you tell? Can't you see that, that, that man, they think they're so great and all it takes is this virus and all of a sudden we collapse. Don't you see that you are powerless? You don't have what it takes to, to be able to establish your own life the way you want it to be. It, it, it drips through your fingers. You can't take a hold of it. So you need to humble yourself. You need to acknowledge this, that I am God. There is no one greater, no one stronger. If you humble yourself and you rest in my hand, I will show you how strong I am if you just believe. If you just believe. Pride has always been from the very beginning, even in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, when God created man, Adam and Eve, and he put a tree, the, 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 the temptation was, was pride. When the, when the devil deceived them, he basically said to them, look, you know, you do know that if you, if you eat this, and the reason why you're forbidden to eat this is because once you eat this fruit, you shall be as God. You shall be as God. 
And this was the very enticement. The very enticement was that, well, are they going to be something? I'm going to be something. And that was their fall. That they wanted to be something great, something more than what they were called to be. They were called to be children in the hand of God. Children to be gathered and drawn to him. But man doesn't want that. Man wants his own empire. Man wants his own kingdom. I don't want God to tell me what to do. <laughs> I, I want to live my life. It's my life. But no, it's not. It's not your life. You, you have no power over the breath you breathe. Tomorrow morning, you can't guarantee you'll be here. You have no idea how to direct and navigate yourself through this virus. But God does. God is in control. There was a king by the name of Uzziah in the Old Testament, living in the time of the prophet Isaiah, when he was calling people to come, to come. This king, Uzziah, ruled Judah, and he was a mighty king, a very strong king. He started his, uh, his kingship at the age of 16, and he ruled for 52 years. He's recorded as ha- having the most prosperous rule. And sadly, at the beginning of his reign, it's recorded about him that he pleased God in his early years. But then something happened. Something happened in his rule that was devastating. I want to share that with you if you want to turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 11 to 23. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 11 to 23. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to their number according to the number on their roll as prepared by Jeel, the scribe, the scribe and Messiah, the officer, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. Verse 12, the total number of chief officers of the mighty men of Valor was 2,600. He had 2,600 men ruling over other men. These were mighty men of Valor. And under their authority was an army of 307,500 other men that made the war with mighty power. This was a strong force. And they were there to help the king against the enemy. In verse 14 we read, Then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, Helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And in verse 15, and he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide. For he, listen, Listen, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. There was nothing like the army that Uzziah had set up. There was nothing like the weaponry and and the warfare that he had established. And he had done this as a great man with great men. And his tools and everything that he owned was of the finest. And we read, for he was marvelously helped 
till he became strong. It's a fascinating phrase. He was helped till he became strong, till he did not need any more help. And this is the problem with life sometimes. You see, life has a tendency to, to recognise uh, gifts or, or, or prosperity or people's successes um, as, as the characteristic of that person. Like, you know, you earn a certain wage and people all of a sudden elevate you to a certain place just because the, the, the amount of money you have indicates that you're a greater person. Or you've established a certain reputation or you've got to a certain level and all of a sudden you're a greater person. But people don't realise that people are people. We all carry within us a humanness, a nature. That we're all weak. And as soon as we start looking at our achievements and our successes and we become so great, all of a sudden help is lost. You see, Isaiah started off as a great man and God was behind him strengthening his arm till it got to his head and he became weak, although he was probably the strongest he's ever been. He had forgotten that his success came from God. People forget that everything that you have in your hand, everything that you own, everything that you've established, it all came from God. Everything, your children, the air that you breathe in the morning, the bed that you sleep on at night, it's all from God. But you become strong. You become dependent on this world that you forget him. You start to think that what matters most is your well-being, your welfare, and you forget the one who gave life and you become strong. It's like a, a child or, you know, uh, like a baby that, that, that thinks that it can feed itself. Have you ever tried to uh, feed a baby a, a, a milk? And all they do is they kick and move and twist and kick and move and twist and, and, and they grab the bottle from you and they, 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 they try to drink that bottle and, and they're just all over the place because it, it, they think to themselves, I can, I can look after myself. That's what we are. That's what we're like before God. We're like that, little kids. Little kids think that we can look after. When all you've got to do is stop. Just stop. I'll hold you in my hand. Just be still. I'll feed you. Just drink. You don't need to do anything. Just relax. Drink. But restless babies kick and fuss and fight unknowingly. They've got no idea. No idea that all along they're held by a loving mother who cares more for this child than the baby realises. And sometimes we're like that before the hand of God. Just be still. No, I am God. I made you. I know you. I know what makes you tick. I know what makes you smile. And if you think those things that are contrary to my word are the very things that give you peace, you're wrong. You've been deceived. If you think walking away from me is your, 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 your sense of safety, you're wrong. Every step that you move away from me is a step toward danger. And all along, I'm calling you to come, come, turn. Now look at Uzziah, this king. We're going to continue looking at him in chapter uh, in this, uh, chapter 26, verse 16. 2 Chronicles, looking at verse 16. So it goes on and expounds for us what it, what it actually means that he was marvelous, marvelously helped till he became strong. In verse 16, we read, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. 
his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. See, he thought to himself that he had now become invincible. There is nothing stronger or more powerful than him. So much so that he transcended from being human and a great king and he started to move his way into the spiritual realm, into the place of God. And he moved without permission into the, te- the temple of God. And he decided to take it upon him to do what the holy priests did and it was given to them to do it and it was their responsibility. But no, he wanted to do it himself. He crossed the boundary. His pride lifted him up to a point that said to him, I can do anything and everything I want. He became invincible. Many of us who are rich, successful in positions, we're prone to becoming invincible. We we, we start thinking that we are something more than what we really are. And and, And I know it's a sad, sad situation to see the world where it's at. But if we can learn anything from the coronavirus, it is this. We're not as strong as we think we are. We're not as powerful. Nations aren't as great as they thought they were. Men are seen in their weakness, the presidents and the politicians. We see them now humbled. Where do we go? What do we do? When all along God's saying, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and I will lift you up. Turn your gaze towards me and I will be your healer. I thank God. I thank God that he has made himself known to us that we are kept safe and guarded. Nothing will harm us. Nothing will come against us when we're safe in his embrace. Sure, we may get sick. Sure, we may suffer. But our heart is kept steadfast on him. Our heart is kept in perfect peace. Come what may, God is my strength and God is my refuge. Nothing can come against me when God is for me. So we see this this king, Uzziah, he wanted a taste of, of the, the spiritual realm. Like most people, um, they're not satisfied. They want to attach a sense of um, peace or security to their life, but they don't want to give themselves over completely to it. So being a great king, I'm also a spiritual leader. I can walk into the, to the uh, tabernacle and I can do what I want because I, uh, I'm worthy. And the priests all got upset. They got really upset in verse 17. So Azariah the priest went in after him and with him were other 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men, strong men of faith. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense in the, in, to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated, who are holy, who, who are set apart for this work. So get out of the sanctuary because you've trespassed. You shall have no honour from the Lord. See, the thing is, the story about Uzziah is simple. It's a story about you can't be proud and dwell in the presence of God. You can't think to yourself that you're someone great and, and I know everything and you can't tell me what to do, what not to do and still claim to have a part of God. It doesn't work like that. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
The entrance into the kingdom of heaven is a broken and contrite spirit. You can't come to God claiming that you know everything about everything. You come to God claiming, Lord, I don't know what I ought to know. I finally realize that you are the king. You are the, 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 the eternal one. I know that everything that I've ever done and everything I've established is nothing before your eyes. Tomorrow, like this, I'm gone. Like a, a mist that rises for a while and then vanishes away. See, to come into the kingdom is to come on bent knees. You come humbly and you say, Lord God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Forgive me that I took my eyes away from you. I thought that everything was fine, but I thank you, Father, for revealing to me, for stopping me and saying, stop, consider, think of me, put me in your mind. Uzziah's pride blocked him from seeing this. He thought he could still have a bit of heaven, a bit of a touch of the spiritual but not with pride. No, you can't, Zion. Get out. This doesn't belong to you. You need to get out. In fact, in fact, a lot of people don't realize this. They don't see this. They don't see how pride is the very thing that hardens their heart against God. Pride is that wall that they can't see him. Anyone who can't see God is because pride is a shield before the face of God. And we can't see it. But listen, listen what happens to Uzziah, they kick him out. They, they, they kick him out of the sanctuary. Get out of the sanctuary. You have trespassed. You have no honor from the Lord. Verse nineteen. Then Uzziah became furious. He was angry. It's like when you tell people, "No, listen, you can't." That's not Christian, mate. That's not how we live as Christ. This is not what it, what it means to be a Christian. And they get angry and they, they get upset. Why can't I? Why can't I do it my way? Why can't I do it like this? A lot of people like to attach Christianity to them, but they don't like to give themselves over to Christ. It's like the Brady Bunch, you know. On Sunday, we go to church because it's what is wholesome and what is good. And then every other day, we can do whatever we want. That's not Christian. That's not Christ-like. That's not the life, G. We throw our life at Christ. We are Christians because we follow him. He doesn't follow us. It's not an attachment. It's life. We attach ourselves to it. But he was upset. He was angry. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. He was ready to do what the priests would, would be doing. And while he was angry with the priests, listen to what happened. Leprosy broke out on his forehead, right there, on his face, manifested right in the middle of his face. Leprosy started to show. It's extraordinary. What was already in his heart came out and manifested in his face. You can't hide this. You can't, you can't hide this. It's a sickness. It's a disease. And even if you try to kind of hide it because you don't want anyone to see it or touch it or to be ostracized or to be uh, estranged or set apart, he couldn't do it. It was right there, right in the middle of his face. It's like what sin is. It's like what pride is. People can't hide pride. Pride will manifest itself. It'll destroy families. It'll destroy lives. It will destroy your soul. Pride is the very thing that blocks you from seeing God. You can't hide that. It's there. And there it was, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. 
And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. People don't realize that it is God's doing. When God hits someone, he hits someone to wake someone up. He hits someone to reveal something to someone, a spiritual truth that nothing in this world can reveal. And if you can see this, if you can see that devastation or hardship, sometimes God allows to draw you back to him. Don't be afraid. Turn back to him, lest that very thing consumes you and eats you had not God intervened. If the coronavirus wakes you up, then thank God. Because what would have woken you up? Better to be woken up from a burning bed because of the fire than to not be woken up at all. And so this is the mercy and the love of God. Humble yourself. You know, Jesus Jesus was the greatest example of humility. Jesus, the Son of God, who left his throne, was the greatest example of humility. And if Christ taught us and showed us to be humble, how much more do you think we ought to come before the living God in humility? Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. Look at Jesus. Listen, when you talk about pride, when we talk about pride, if you're, if you're looking at the, the, the pride of birth and rank, they said about Jesus, is not this the carpenter's son? It wasn't a prestigious job. If you're talking about the pride of wealth, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. If you're talking about the pride of respectability, can anything good come out of Nazareth? If you're talking about the pride of personal appearance, the Bible tells us that Jesus had no form nor comeliness, nothing attractive about him that we should desire him. If you're talking about the pride of reputation, the Bible says that he was a friend of publicans and sinners. He was, he was considered a, a drunkard, a wine-bibber. If you're talking about the pride of learning, it says that this man knows the letters. How did he even learn? If you're talking about the pride of superiority, Jesus said himself, I am among you as he that serves. If you're talking about the pride of success, the Bible tells us that he is despised and rejected of men. If you're talking about the pride of ability, Jesus himself said, I can of my own self do nothing. If you're talking about the pride of will, Jesus says, I don't seek my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And if you're talking about the pride of the intellect, Jesus said, as my father has taught me, I also speak. He claimed nothing to be of his own. All this to show the world what humility is like and how humility, humility is the stepping stone to God. Isaiah, poor man, in verse 22, we read, now the rest of the acts of Isaiah, from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote, so Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said he is a leper. This is the way this man ended his life. He was renowned for being a leper. In all that he did and in all that he established, he was left with one title, 
He is a leper. All his conquests, all his victories, he was remembered as nothing more than a leper. And this is a beautiful picture, brothers and sisters, of humanity. All your greatness and all your beauty, you remembered as nothing more but rubble and dust. And sadly, the Bible tells us that in the latter days when we stand before the king, Many are going to come and say, Lord, Lord, we did this and we did that and look look how great we were. And Jesus is going to turn and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. you. You never introduced yourself to me. You never welcomed me to show you myself to you. I never knew you. Worse than a leper, but an outcast separated from the tabernacle like Uzziah, run out quickly because of your leprosy. Brothers and sisters, the word of God is very simple and very clear. And I'll end with the verse I started with. If my people who are called by my name, listen, a few things you need to understand. If you, who are called by my name, they are my people. If they humble themselves, if they pray, and if they seek my face, and if they turn from their wicked ways, humble, pray, seek, and turn. The clear, beautiful instructions, the GPS into eternity. Humble, pray, seek, and turn from your wicked ways. Then God will hear you. He will hear you from heaven and he will do the greatest thing he could ever do to any human being and that is he will forgive and cleanse you from your sin. He will take your pride and he will remove it from you. He will break it, he'll crush it and he'll bring you into a place of total dependency on him and you will get to experience what it is to trust in God. I will forgive their sins. And then once that is done, he will heal your land. He works from the inside out. He will restore relationships. He will grant peace and joy. He will, he will take away the isolation, the separation, the loneliness, the emptiness, and he will begin to heal your land if you would humble yourself. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to take it seriously. These aren't my words. These are the words from God's book. These are the words of eternal life. If anyone hears these words and doesn't harden their heart and they receive his truth into their life, they can be saved. They can be saved. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips, Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. The Bible says that out of the mouth, confession is made and out of the heart, belief. So if you can believe in the Lord Jesus, that he came into the world more than 2,000 years ago to die on the cross, to forgive man of all their sins. And if you believe in the cross and the forgiveness of sins, you can come to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for all my sins, all those things that I've done against you. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Purify my heart. 
Teach me to walk in the ways of humility, to be dependent on you. And I believe the Lord Jesus Christ will hear you. And you, will, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Father in heaven, I pray for every head bowed before you, even now. That Lord God, that you would move in their hearts. That you would move in their lives, Lord God, convicting them of sin and unrighteousness and bringing all those that hear this morning to you, Lord God. You know us independently of each other, Lord God. You know us individually. You know us by name. You created us. I pray, Father, for every person, even this morning, with a heart of unbelief, that you would break that pride, that you would penetrate that heart, that wall that stops them from seeing you. Break that wall in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that they may see you face to face, I pray. I ask you this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.